You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Matt O'Donnell, or it might have been Sorensen, got into it at training camp, and nobody tried to break that up. Nobody how, just how, went. How, how, how could you? <laughs> That's like The Undertaker versus Kane. <laughs> well, no, because you know Kane's going to lose. <laughs> he's like... He's like Damn jobber. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and welcome to the Two and Out CFL podcast. Travis Curra and Brazilian Thai, France World Cup champions. Uh, you knew they were going to win. Well, uh, at least Thai did, and Croatia, the deep underdogs. And I'm actually pretty sure that more teams have won the Grey Cup than the World Cup. Yep, that, that math definitely adds up. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only been eight countries to ever win the World Cup, and it just they just seem to be on a repeating cycle. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, pretty crazy. The Dutch not being one of them, of course. Uh, you know, just the best team to never win. Poor Dutch. Always, Poor a, Dutch. Bri- always, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> Let's get to the Canadian football. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. Second and three. Midway through the second quarter. Debreskison again, back at the line of scrimmage, and he takes it in for a touchdown, Steph Peters. So we started on Thursday, and man, I thought Ottawa would be able to compete with Calgary, and that was not the case. That Stampeders defense right now is absolutely incredible. It, it's not even fair. It really isn't. They're, they're averaging twenty or 12.7 points a game against, like... These are unprecedented numbers in the CFL. Yeah, obviously they're not going to be able to keep that pace. I guess that's easy to say, but you wouldn't think. <laughs> uh, their next game's against Montreal. It is in Calgary, so maybe they stay on that pace for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that average will probably go down <laughs> under ten a game. Oh my God! Could you imagine? This is also Calgary's first time going four and zero since twenty fourteen, and that was the last time they won the Grey Cup. And you know, to think about that is actually pretty crazy, because mm-hmm. they have dominated the regular season for ten years now—a full decade, basically. Yeah, and you know they get to the playoffs, and it just seems that one thing or another happens, and whether it be the Devere Posey catch last year, which I don't think anybody really saw coming, uh, especially against, was it Tommy Campbell, who hadn't given up a touchdown all year? Uh, you know, the game, the West Final against Saskatchewan in 2013, where they did nothing but turn the ball over. Like, it's just one thing after another, it seems, in the playoffs. Uh, and they just don't get the job done. And we said it last year before the Grey Cup, no starting quarterback for the Stampeders has won two Grey Cups. That's crazy to think. That, that's insane. So, I mean, Bo Levi could get his record back to 500 
and you know if they can win one this year, and he'd be the first the first uh, quarterback to do that. And Brazilian tie, I don't like to question your math. I don't like to uh, challenge you. But my math says that the Stamps average nine and a half points against. Uh, 14, 7, 14, and 3. 38 divided by 4 is nine and a half. Well, then my math is wrong. <laughs> Maybe you counted the preseason. That's a distinct possibility. We did hang we did hang some shelves last night and drink a little bit of whiskey. So my math might not be where it needs to be for today's show. So, so but the point still stands. They're even better. <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Fantasy wise, if you took either quarterback, either starting quarterback in this game, and you know what? Out of the three games. There wasn't really a good quarterback option at all. Uh, not a like. I mean, Mike Riley did end up with the most points this week, but I mean, at fourteen thousand dollars, it's kind of hard to fit yeah. him in. Uh, you would think, but like, if it wasn't for injury, I mean, Bo Levi probably puts puts up twenty points for you. Um, you know, Trevor Harris had a tear. All three quarterbacks for for Ottawa had a terrible night. Danny Collins was the leading scorer at point eight points. Oh man! Tre- Trevor Harris came out at negative point three, like Bo Levi only ten point seven. Danny so, goes three of seven for forty seven yards in an interception, and somehow fantasy wise is Ottawa's best quarterback. Yeah, that's bad. So yeah, Bo left at halftime. Uh, part of me thinks that he probably could have returned if the game was a bit closer but i think mm-hmm. the way the defense was playing at the at that point just let them keep doing what they're doing and you know run the ball as for calgary receivers if you chose any of them you're not all that happy either kamar jordan was having a nice game and then Bo left the game uh six catches on eight targets for 79 yards so it's just under 14 points yeah your your wife your wife kicked ass this week yeah, she kind of beat the whole uh, group. It was actually incredible. Kind of embar- kind of embarrassing <laughs> for us, isn't it? Well, I'm not embarrassed that I lost to her. I'm embarrassed about just the rest of my week. It, like, I feel like I should be kicked off this show. Well, like, I don't think she listens. So where is she getting her info from? No, she doesn't listen. So clear- clearly we're not helping. No. She, she does text <laughs> me her lineup. And then I just tell her if a guy's, like, not starting or whatever. And then, yeah, I just let her do her thing. So she destroyed hey, she, us, man. <laughs> she knows how to use the internet. She can do that on her own. <laughs> After this week, no more help. Exactly. You're on your own now. You've graduated. Uh, if you spend the money on Ellingson, you're not happy. Three catches oh, on four targets for 26 yards. It was just a rough game front to back for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and I think a lot of people looked at this game as the hump that they need to get over, at least Trevor Harris needs to get over, because mm-hmm. we've seen MOP numbers in big games and big stretches from him in the past, and it, it, it never stays for a long, you know, sustained period. There hasn't been that consistency you expect from the elite quarterbacks. That and Calgary tends to make him look human. Yeah, there's like that. He's, he's the one team that, that he seems to have 
a really rough time against. And th- this year is, of course, uh, somewhat exaggerated. I mean, with their defense so far. But, yeah, like just the inconsistent. He's streaky. And we've said that before where you go on a three or four game run where it's like, holy crap, this guy could win MOP, you know, win, win, the, win the passing race. And then two games where it's yeah. a dog's breakfast. And it's just the inconsist- the inconsistency is what keeps him from being an elite quarterback in this league. There was a tweet. Uh, uh, Jeff said, uh, two and out might need to change their name to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And I, I think <laughs> we have to give them the distinction of the official team of the two and out podcast this week. William Powell, even he gets shut down. I think we could say safely say for the first time this season, he had 17 yards on eight carries. And that's their leading rusher? Had negative four receiving yards as well. <laughs> and the 17 yards is the leading rusher? For the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah, so I don't know how we've spent this much time talking about the, the offense for Ottawa, but uh, credit to Calgary. And also, you know, this this season more than ever, it seems like teams are, at least offenses, are having – a hell of a time catching up to the defenses. Um, in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of close games, back and forth, things like that. Maybe the defenses were behind the offenses, but so far this season, it is just mm-hmm. the complete opposite. And not only that, especially in this game, like yeah, the defense was so much better, and it has been. It seems that offenses are having a really tough time across the league. Well, I mean, some of them having getting going, and it doesn't matter who they're playing. But the special teams in this one, too, wasn't great for Ottawa. And that, like, the whole Calgary team, like, all three aspects are just clicking along so, so good right now that they could, that they're making teams look inept. Like, right now, they're, they're the elite team. They, they, not even just offense, they, they are elite in almost every aspect. They, they held Deontay Spencer to 59 return yards on Thursday night. This guy's supposed to be one of the best returners in the league. 59 yards. Like, if there's a there's a legitimate chance this team goes 18-0, I don't think it'll happen. But if there's a team that can do it right now, if they keep this up, there's no way they lose a game. You know when they're going to lose? Uh, probably week 19 or 17 when they have the first place home playoff bye week clinched. I'll tell you when they are going to lose. It is going to be week 17, Thanksgiving Monday, in Montreal. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, the Stampeders in Montreal, it has to be the nightlife. There is no other explanation there. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? (laughs) <laughs> if they go undefeated until then, wow. <laughs> That's going to be must-watch. That's going to be must-see TV. And uh, th- this sounds crazy, but you don't know what you're going to get from the riders every single week. You don't know what you're going to get from the riders drive to drive. Well, that too. So <laughs> the rider stamps defense, it could be like a 3-2 game uh, at the end of the month. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, we don't know if Bo's going to be out for this week. Uh, They are playing Montreal, or if he's going to come back and uh, fight through this. But, 
Yeah, the the Stamps do have the Riders twice out of the next four games in Saskatchewan. So uh, those are going to be some interesting defensive battles, I think, uh, to, to say the least there. We move on to Friday Night Football. Edmonton edges Toronto 16-15. It was an ugly game, but I guess we go to this highlight from Duke Williams. Second and five. Riley the throw. In zone. Touchdown. Duke Williams. Uh-oh. Oh, he's dying. <laughs> you can eat all day, baby, as long as you make plays like that. And it sure seems like the Argos like to play in inclement weather. <laughs> Yeah, because we sure love sitting through it. Oh, I I tell you what, man. I would rather sit in snow and cold than rain. It's just, it sucks. It, it, I, I didn't, I wasn't warm until I got to Vermilion. Oh, man, three quarters of the way home. <laughs> right? And it, I was miserable. I had to take my bunny hug off because the, the cuffs were wet and it's just annoying. And, like, my pants were not wet from the rain, but wet from sweating because I had my rain gear on. Like, it was just a miserable game to sit there and watch. And I looked at you and said, if Toronto misses a field goal and gets a rouge to tie this game, I'm leaving. I'm not staying for <laughs> overtime. This is ridiculous. I'm getting out of here. Well, I got on the first bus. I think uh, you beat the traffic by staying at that game. Yeah, I got on the second train, and I didn't have to wait very long. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it they announced, what, th- just over 31,000? Which is a lie. I wish they would yes. announce the truth. Because, yes. you know what, no matter what the attendance was, that's impressive that that many people sat in that. And and it was actually loud for how empty that stadium seemed. It was. It was. It, it was. But weather turned out to be the great equalizer. Like, you know, if, if it's nice out, I, I don't know what happens in this game. Because Franklin had a better night, well, passing yard-wise, than Mike Riley. SJ Green was everywhere, but so was Duke Williams. Like, I don't, if this game plays out a little, if the weather's different. I, Toronto, like, they might have won this. It was such an interesting game because there were actually quite a few long drives. It's just both the Esks and the Argos were able to pin the offense back, like, in their own 10 a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, if these teams had better field position, the score would have been a lot different. Like Franklin almost had 300 passing yards, and you wouldn't think that uh, in a 16-15 game. No, it, you would. If if you're going to see that that kind of passing yards, you're going to think that it was 28-24 or something like that. You know, with the numbers they put up, it was kind of deceiving. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, when I believe Edmonton kicked their rouge, the game-winning rouge, I might add, um, <laughs> on the punt single. It rained that entire drive. Yeah. Toronto gets the ball at the 35. The rain stops for their entire drive for them to kick that field goal. And as soon as the ball was kicked off, or no, as soon as Edmonton took the ball in the 35 after that field goal, it started to rain again. Yeah, you felt like the football gods were shining on Toronto a little bit. Because, yeah. oh, the, the sun came out. There was a nice little sunset. Not to sound, you know, cheesy or anything, but you're like, oh, yeah, this is nice, some nice relief. And then the mm-hmm. S get the ball and it goes to crap again. Yeah, and it was it was not fun to sit through, but I did find out my <laughs> cowboy boots are waterproof. Nice. Well, that's good so, to know. Yeah, especially if it rains for the wedding in a couple of weeks, I'll be I'll be in okay shape. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll be good to go. But uh, as far as James Wilder goes, he was shut down. But we see the first, I think, big game of the year for S.J. Green. Ten catches, 131 yards. He kept finding the soft spot in uh, Mike Benavides and his zone defense. But um, Aaron Grimes was on him a lot of the game. And he's a pretty yappy kid for somebody who gave up 131 yards. Yeah, like he would, he was <laughs> literally beaking him after every play, but after every play was a play that SJ caught the ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, just shut up and maybe play the game. Like, <laughs> hey, and, and the streak lives. I think we need to, we need to talk about that. Uh, another defender for Edmonton, uh, 26, Chris Edwards takes another 15 mm-hmm. yard penalty. It was an objectionable conduct, but it was a horse collar. It was 15 yards. And it was at, he made that interception. I go to West of us. I'm talking to Superfan Mike from the Eskimo Empire podcast. I'm like, hey, you know who doesn't have a penalty tonight? And he's like, shut up. Don't jinx it. <laughs> and when, when Edwards made that pick, I'm like, next drive, he's doing something stupid. <laughs> and it, it took till after it took till the second half, but he did something stupid, and I believe that's seven games in a row now where he's taken at least a 15-yard penalty. If any, I find it absolutely fascinating. If any other player took, you know, at least a 15-yard penalty that many games in a row, you would think that they would be, they'd be cut. Well, what does it take for this guy to spend a series on the bench? Like, <laughs> I don't know. You're totally killing any momentum. Like, that's a big stop. Like, you know able to keep the returner on their own side of half after like after it looked like it was going to be a big return but then you're letting you're you're getting them yeah. across midfield anyway with with a penalty um it it's just a bad look for can we say it can we say his name or are we just gonna leave it as number 26 yeah let's leave it at number 26 <laughs> that's what the refs call them <laughs> that, that's fair um <laughs> but yeah it's it's just bonehead plays and like he the horse collar, I get. Um, you know, you're just trying to make a play, but yeah. everything else, everything else leading up to this, all the other penalties are just pure stupidity, and him not using his head with the objectionable conducts and the unnecessary roughness that you don't need to take. Duke Williams is getting to the point where you can't defend him, no matter what you try. I think he had 17 targets in this game, nine catches, 123 yards. He did have the touchdown, and he did take a penalty for uh, using a prop, which <laughs> was his towel. <laughs> okay, I, I get the prop thing, but he did have the towel with him. It's not like he ran off. Well, he continued to use it on the bench and didn't get a penalty for that one, but he he was hungry. He was eating in the end zone when he took the <laughs> when he caught I, that touchdown. But, I love I love the celebration, but by letter of the law, it is a penalty. Yeah. So whatever, but you know, let the let the kids play. Here's how my fantasy week went. I took Darrell Walker <laughs> four catches on thirty six yards. Man, I that pretty I much sums it up for you. Yeah, that sums it up. Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, leaves the game in the first half. He had like three carries for 36 yards, and you're thinking, holy, this kid's going to have a good game. He 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 leaves the field. They had Matt Nichols, Darrell Walker, DeVars. Like, it was just an 
oh, the the saddest week I could ever have. And I've already talked more about it than I thought I would. Um, it's a really good lineup on paper. It is, man, on paper. Uh, Jordan Robinson had one catch, the 30-yard touchdown. That was his first career uh, touchdown. So he might be seeing more action because of the hit on C.J. Gable late, late, late in the game. And the league has already dished out a suspension for Dylan Wynn of the Toronto Argonauts. And, you know, in the past, we've waited to, like, Tuesday or whatever. The league had always had an excuse saying that, oh, we need to look at the film. We need to look at this. But less than 24 hours, he's already suspended. You know he's going to get the fine. He's going to lose a game check. And I know people want to see him, you know, get suspended for half the season or whatever. That's not in the... CBA, you can't punish a guy that much, but I I think what's important is the swift action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he probably should have been kicked out of the game, but if you go back and watch that play, Gable got two headshots, not just the one. He also lowered his own head. He did for the the first first, one. On the first hit. Yeah. So he's not completely innocent here because, I mean, that that helmet-to-helmet hit, it the defender wasn't leading with his helmet. It, it was just circumstance. You know, hel- helmets are going to hit helmets. Yeah. I mean, there, that's why they're wearing guys. them, I guess. There, yeah. There's 24 guys out there. It's going to happen, whether it be face mask to face mask, whatever. What Dylan Wynn did, that, that, that there's no need for that. CJ Gable was already down. Yeah. Wynn hadn't even committed to the hit when Gable was down. It wasn't until after he was down that he dove head first. I, I don't know what goes through your head. Um, they, they talked about it on the post-game show on the drive home. Uh, eventually, the players are going to have to be responsible for player safety because the league can't keep doing this. The players need to realize that they're on the same team, that they're part of the union. They're playing They're playing a violent game. They need to take care of each other at some point. You can't be diving at guys' heads with your own head. It, it's stupid. And, yeah, he should have been kicked out and the suspension. Like, it, it's ridiculous. Um, I, I, there's no room. I don't like. There's no reason for him to do that on a player that's already down. It's disgusting and it, it, it's stupid. Like it, it's absolutely. It's sickening, really. Like you could literally end a guy's season doing that, and, and don't forget that you could end your own season doing that and knock yourself out. So, uh, uh, what are you gaining here? Like, what do you think this play again? And then you look at Tressman laying into the D line on the bench because of the, like you guys can't do this. And even his, even his teammates are grabbing him and being like, what are you doing? So I, I don't, at some point the players have to be responsible as much as the league. Well, and that's exactly it because the league can suspend and they can find any amount of guys that they want, but these guys are adults. They're pro football players. Why do you have to hold their hand? Because, yep. You're right. They're they're not only hurting other guys, they're hurting their their livelihood, not only the season, but the guy's career and his life after football. You're putting yourself into danger. So I I don't get it. You're a 25-year-old guy. What are you doing with your head? I I understand trying to make a play, but that play was over. Oh, it honestly looked like Gable might have been knocked out already. I think he might have been, or you know, at least half, like half out, half out of it, kind of woozy. Because I mean, yeah. they, they collided pretty hard head to head there on the first impact, and then and he uh, spun around up. and went right yeah. down. 
and a straight up dive to the back of his head that's uncalled for. Like, if I'm Mark Tressman, like the teams can still carry out their own discipline as well. Don't forget that. Yeah. So if Tressman, Tressman doesn't like what the league did, he could he could still scratch him for another game or two or whatever he wants to do. Which I wouldn't put it past Tressman because he's gonna put. Yeah, he wants to put the best lineup out there, but I mean, if guys are gonna do something stupid like that, they don't deserve to play. And I know uh, Cleon Lang is not a popular player among mm-hmm. um, Eskimo fans, but I don't think we've ever seen him do anything like that. He he does no. play hard, and there have been some rough moments where he has hurt Mike Riley, and I think he's hurt his knee a few times, but nothing mm-hmm. stupid like that. And was it Ball that instantly called for the training staff? He saw Wind dive in and instantly threw his hands up and called the training staff out, like... And then even Wynn's teammates grabbed him and were angry at him, visibly angry and being like, what are you doing? So, I mean, even when your own teammates are mad at a hit, that's a sign that you did something absolutely asinine and stupid. No kidding. And reckless. Like, And then also in this game, before we move on, uh, how about the little fight on the Eskimo sideline that we had in the, or at the end of the first half? Yeah, no, I don't know if this ended up on TSN at all, but we sure saw it from our vantage point at the stadium. Now, Kenny Stafford was a popular pick this week because uh, the spike in price for Duke Williams. Stafford had been on a nice little hot streak. He uh, was under $5,000, but it looked like he got into a fight with an Eskimo special teamer. How many times do you see a team fighting each other you don't see that all the time and i kind of wondered if the eskimos were going to implode there a little bit especially in the regular season right training camp training camp i i like to see that because it means guys are fired up yeah you're you're battling for positions but in the middle of a game that's a little different um i guess i i was talking to a couple people at west of us and i guess it was after a sack somebody headbutted i believe sewell after he came off or it might have been Rivers. Somebody headbutted somebody and got in somebody's face, and guys were trying to pull them apart, and other guys got involved. So it was a big, a, a big mess, really. Um, it it didn't seem to affect the rest of the team, but at the same time, you can't have stuff like that going on in the middle of a game on your sideline. So what was the context of it? Like they just went to butt heads, like you've seen football players do in the past as a celebration. And it was I, I just... think it, I think it was something like that, but I think somebody took it a little too far and got pushed out of the way and didn't like that and come back at a guy and it just it snowballed from there and and then it got to that shoving match we saw with about ten people trying to pull him apart. And when I was talking to Superfan Mike, uh, I believe Sewell and Matt O'Donnell, or it might have been Sorensen, got into it at training camp, and nobody tried to break that up. Nobody how, just how, went. How, how How could you? <laughs> That's like the Undertaker versus Kane. <laughs> well, no, because you know Kane's going to lose. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, damn jobber. Yeah, compared to the Undertaker, you're, you're completely right. <laughs> I don't know the better. That's like, you know, the ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania six. You just let them do it. Some dissension in the ranks in Edmonton, for sure. Yeah, You've got to think half. it'll be probably addressed at uh, at practice. But 
I, I, if I not noticed, at halftime. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I know Eskimo fans are going to like this, but they take on the discipline of the coach. And we, we've been saying that for a year. And I think that goes for Chris Edwards. That goes for the fight on the sideline. If your coach mm-hmm. is going to fly off the handle and lose it as often as he does, why wouldn't the players? Yeah, like if it's okay for the coach to do it, it's okay for the players to do it. Like, you you got to be, you got to hold them to the same accountability. Um, you know, Jason Moss throwing his headset and yelling at referees, and you know, his own especially coaches. With, his own coaches. <laughs> well, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be throttling Mike Benavides right now. I would I would be smashing his head into the bench if I was Jason Moss, but that's besides the point. Well, um, he he gave up 15 points, man. So <laughs> and he yeah. gave up 20 last week. So I don't think he's had the worst few games. No, but I mean, Mike, super fan Mike even said it. Maybe they need to play a softer zone if that's even yeah. possible. <laughs> well, SJ was finding room in there. He's such a smart oh receiver. God. So I think any smart receiver would have been able to find room there. Yeah, but and we even saw it in the game against Winnipeg at the start of the year when he's yelling at the refs for not calling like not calling the game dead because of the lightning, and they're trying to tell him it's not our call to make. It, it comes oh, from... Yeah comes from the league office and they they let us know and he's he's losing it on them it's like what do you like they're telling you that there's nothing they can do unless they're told to shut the game down unless like lightning strikes the field there's nothing yeah. they can do and like you know he just he flies off the handle so often like you said and so what do you expect your players to do it's like if you can't if you can't keep an even keel your players aren't gonna be able to do either you're not gonna be able to calm them down if you can't calm yourself down and we we see it with undisciplined play uh, whether it be from you know a certain defensive back every week, or just you know the chippiness that you get between an offensive line and a defensive line, and you know some dumb penalties there, or you know a little tussle on the sideline in the middle of a game, and you know Moss was oblivious to it; he had no idea until I believe it was Sorensen walked over and told Mike Riley about it, and you could see Mike tap Moss on the shoulder and tell him he points down to Stafford and the guys down there, and it looked like he was telling him what happened and Moss just walked away. Wow. I I don't know what is going on on that sideline, but I mean they they won a game, they won the game. You know, they're they're going win one lose one win one lose one. That's not exactly where you want to be, but I mean they got the job done on Friday night. Yeah, and they got a week off uh right here. Maybe maybe it a good time for them to regroup a little to dry, bit. Well, and they can dry off. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so walking out of the stadium, I was like, oh, I, I think I want to change my pick to BC beating Winnipeg. I, you were talking about it during the game, and I kept talking you out of it. <laughs> and you're like, give your head a shake. And then at halftime, it's 17 nothing Winnipeg, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad. I'm Me glad. <laughs> that I didn't change my pick, and then... Something clicked. Long from 16. And the Lions, a remarkable comeback win. Led by Travis Lule here tonight. When it looked like BC was going to drop out of sight in the Western race. Well, uh, it was the tale of two halves. I know that is cliche, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what this game was. <laughs> Yeah, BC, like you said, down 17-0 at halftime. Winnipeg comes back in the second half and shuts BC out. 
or sorry, BC shuts Winnipeg out in the second half and scores 20 unanswered and wins the game. Like, I was really hoping that he was going to miss that kick. I know oh. it was only from like 10 yards, but to win with a missed rouge like that would have been unreal to have two in the same week. You know, the way the game was going, I half expected Winnipeg to block it. (laughs) Either that or, you know, Adam Big, he'll come up with a huge uh, sack fumble return or something like that. Like, it just... And, like, Travis Lule, some of those throws, like, they weren't on a line at all. Like, they were But how about Matt Nichols' throws? Oh, my God. He was was terrible. Like, hey, remember when Matt... Remember when everybody said Matt Nichols was an elite quarterback? Is there a quarterback controversy in Winnipeg? Oh, I I don't know. Strebler kind of come back down to earth after those first couple games. You know, he, he wasn't, did. But. Um, I don't know if we saw something, anything this bad from him, though. No, we did not. Um, you know, Nichols 17 to 28 for 214 and three picks. Uh, that That's not Matt Nichols' numbers. Like, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. No. Um, it it was a. I'm thinking the time off, and it it's tough to get back in the swing of things. I'm I'm thinking next week is a bounce back for him, or next game. So, uh, I think they're going to stick with it for now. But I mean, if this if that trend continues, I think you put Strevler in. Um, that being said, what about Jennings? Is are his his days have got to be numbered? I think in BC. Wow. If Lule keep, if Lule does this. How much props goes to Travis Lule, though? How many oh. season-ending injuries has that guy had now and fights all the way back onto the field, and he goes 28-41 mm-hmm. for 326. He did have the touchdown, and he did have an interception. But for a guy that hadn't played for nearly a year, didn't really have training camp, and the amount of injuries he has been through, it's it's phenomenal that he's still on that field. Mm-hmm. Like, so he started 2010, started nine games, dressed for all 18. 2011, all 18 games started. 2012, 16. 2013, 11 started, so gets hurt. BC, or 2014, only starts one game. Starts 10 games in 2015, didn't start any games in 2016, only started four last year. Wow. He hasn't played, a, he hasn't played like a legitimate full season since 2012. <laughs> That's he started, insane. Six, started 16 games at 4,200 yards. Yeah, like this guy has been in tough. Um, but he comes out last night and, you know, plays a hell of a game for his first game back. And if you could have got him at that 1,500 and some dollars before his price went up, you could have had an unreal lineup if you would have been able to pick, uh, you know, not the guys you did, but... <laughs> the guys that uh, that were able to put up big numbers, you you would have had a real good. You could have had a real good week this week. Well, you know what? If Johnson stayed in the game, I think he would have had a real nice game because mm-hmm. Chris Rainey comes in. He had forty three rushing yards on ten carries, but he made his money with the six catches and seventy one yards, one hundred and thirty two re- return yards as well. So you are happy if you got him almost twenty three points. But it's clear that he's not an every down back. He's not a between the tackles guy, and he was really struggling on mm-hmm. some of those uh, short yardage plays. That's where you needed Jeremiah Johnson there. And then it was a, a big thing that Brandon Rutley wasn't dressed. But how do you, 
it'd be pretty tough to dress Rutley, Johnson, and Rainey. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Lions do if Johnson does miss any time. And at that point, the Lions had no momentum at all because yeah. <laughs> Johnson gets hurt. Uh, the short yardage plays aren't working. The bomber defense is flying all over the place. But then there were two big plays that really swung the momentum, and it is the third down short yardage plays from Winnipeg. I'm okay with the first gamble because the Lions get the ball at the one. At that point, they're not moving the ball at all, and I think they ended up punting the ball on that drive anyway. But late in the game, it was the six-yard line, and it was almost third and two, and they go for it. Strevler goes to run. And then Odell blasts through the Shut line. down. Yeah. Odell Willis <laughs> makes the play there, and the Lions have all the momentum now. W- once you make mm-hmm. a big third down stop, you can't measure momentum. The The defense finally makes a play, and then it kind of went all the way the offense's way as well. So, and at that point, it was... It was 17-10. If they kick mm-hmm. the field goal, it's a two-score game. Mm-hmm. And what have I been yelling about for the last two years? When you're on the road, take the damn points. Take take the points and take your chances that your defense can make a stop. Points are good. doesn't matter what, what yeah. kind of points you get. If you're in the lead, keep adding to it any chance you get because – it's the CFL. You don't know what can happen. And clearly, you know, BC comes back and scores 20 unanswered. Well, they kicked that field goal, and now BC maybe tie, Maybe they make that that field goal to tie. Maybe they don't even get another shot. Um, because they, if you're making it so that the team is even in a further deficit, it, they start pressing. You're, there's more pressure on them. Like, I've always been an advocate of taking the points. You know, we saw it with Chris Jones' first year in Saskatchewan in overtime, trying to convert a third down instead of kicking the field goal and going to a second overtime. Yeah. And and losing the football game. Um, You know, if you're on the... I've always said take the points. I know Derek Taylor will say otherwise. And I have no problem with always going for two because it works 50% of the time. Um, There's going to be games that goes better. So... That that is a little different, but when you're trying to close out a drive, you cannot. If you're inside the twenty, you can't close out that drive with zero points. You can't, and that's how you lose football games. Well, and and I got the. I must have been seventeen nothing on the first gamble, and I was okay with that one. Um, but when BC had all that momentum, they were within one score. You could have made it a two-score game, and you mm-hmm. just blow it. And let's face it, last week, the uh, the Strevler runs were really working for Winnipeg. They mm-hmm. were crushing BC with those, but they saw them coming this time around. Odell made that third down play. Elamimian stood Strevler up at the line, but what's the missing element in these short yardage plays? Your running back that had nearly 140 yards on the ground, he could have put up 50 in fantasy if they would have given him the ball at the right points, and I know fantasy doesn't matter to the teams in the grand scheme of things. Winning games does. As it is, Harris was probably the highest scorer 
scoring uh, fantasy player of the entire week, mm-hmm. just under 33 points. But you give it the ball to him on third down, he's probably going to get it. Right, and it's the same with Jeremiah Johnson if he was in the game. Those yeah. are two guys that you give the ball to, they're going to they're gonna power their way to a first down. Um, you know, I don't know why you're not giving the ball to your best offensive playmaker. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I get that, you know, that's one less uh, handoff that you have to do, you know, less chance of a fumble and all that. But if he's your best guy, you got to give him the ball. It's actually amazing that uh, Harris had 140 yards in this one. It was only 13 carries. And it kind of looked like they were trying to preserve him a little bit. There was word that he kind of tweaked a groin in practice, and I don't know if that was uh, bugging him a little bit, but they put Dembski out there on a lot of running plays. Harris could have had a lot more yards in this one, and I actually think the last interception from Nichols, that's got to go to Dembski as well. Yeah. Um, You know, it wasn't the greatest throw, but, I mean, Dempsey's got to oh, make that. Oh, it hit him in the chest, man. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, Dempsey's got to make that play. Yeah. Y- you have to. Um, it, it Nichols got no help, really, from his receivers last night. Um, not all the interceptions that he throws are on him. Uh, it's, it's a team loss, but, I mean, those receivers did not help out their quarterback very much. Well, Winnipeg, they they crumbled in all facets of mm-hmm. the game. Uh, now, except except for their kickoffs. Hey, they were good there. Yeah, that onside Mike, kick Mike was Miller. awesome. Yeah, and I said it. I, I was I had a couple people over to help me do some stuff, and you know they make that onside kick. I'm like, well, Mike O'Shea, special teams legend in the CFL, and <laughs> as soon as it came out of my mouth, Glenn Suter went on his rant about how good Mike O'Shea is, and I'm like. <laughs> See, I, I can. I know what I'm talking about here. I'm not just a hat rack. Miller is a uh, he's a hell of a special teamer. He might be the best in the CFL, and he caught it maybe at the ten and one inch yard mark of when yeah. that ball uh, was kicked. So uh, that was a hell of a play. But it was basically all downhill for Winnipeg from there. How was your fantasy lineup? I'm not talking about mine anymore. Well, I mean, we could talk about yours. Although mine was a little better. Um, it wasn't great. I did have Matt Nichols, so that kind of hurt me. Um, I did have Don Jackson, though, so I got 15.6 there. James Walder Jr. didn't have a huge game, but just under 21. Uh, had Duke Williams at just over 27. And then Dressler, Stafford, and the Edmonton Eskimos defense got me 13 points total. We're going to have four games next week, and hopefully I rebound because I'm... I'm embarrassed. I just want to throw. I wanted to throw my phone into the puddle at Commonwealth. So <laughs> I'll be in a better mood next time around. <laughs> or will oh, I? I doubt it. When we were, when I was leaving, I was leaving, and some guy was walking with his girlfriend and decided to jump in a puddle. Oh yeah! And splash her. He lost his flip flop in the puddle. He lost his flip flop in the puddle, and I just started to laugh at him. I'm like, that that's karma, but that's I I would have done the same thing. <laughs> oh, there were some Esky fans that I'm pretty sure stayed in the in the concourse and drank. Because I was getting chirped a lot walking out of the stadium, and I wear rider stuff to the games every time around, but Esky fans have been pretty quiet 
this season, but yesterday, holy man, he's like, the Riders lost, ha-ha. I'm like, when? They didn't even play this week, you dummy. And then, <laughs> yeah, his friend kind of calmed him down after that. <laughs> I have to watch my mouth, too. <laughs> the one guy sitting behind us, apparently he knew football, but the stuff he did know about football could fill a damn encyclopedia. <laughs> Oh, the guy oh. saying that the CFL needed four downs? Yeah. He's like, well, what happens after third down? Uh, well, if you don't punt and you don't get your first down, then it's a turnover on downs. And his dad's trying to explain it to him or whoever he was with. He's like, I thought you knew football. Well, I know NFL. I'm like, it's football. <laughs> uh, there's not, uh, oh. I, I eventually decided to try to tune them out. I think even his dad was getting pissed at him. It was hilarious. He was. He, he totally was. If you don't know, don't act like you know. That's the worst part. Yeah. yeah. I, I do that every week on this show, but at least I try to hide it. And let's end the podcast on a positive note. The Riders are at Mosaic Stadium as we record. No sign of Zach Caleros and Deron Carter. Still on defense. But they signed another. They signed a defensive back. For well, the third time. The same guy for the third time this season. <laughs> well, don't expect him in Thursday's game in Hamilton. <laughs> no, so probably going to pick the Tiger Cats there. <laughs> All right, buddy. I will talk to you Thursday, okay? Sounds good. Great review. Subscribe on iTunes. And, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 